0: The following content is rated explicit for language in adult situations. So
1: listen with headphones.
2: Or don't. We don't judge.
1: Have you ever wished that your world had more magic?
2: Or that your favorite character had survived?
1: How about a full-length spin-off of your favorite childhood series?
2: Then do we have a podcast for you?
1: Hello, Fire Whiskers. I'm Claire.
2: And I'm Kat.
1: And this is Fire Whiskey and Honey, the podcast about your favorite novel-length potter fan fiction.
2: The Debt of Time.
1: Each episode, we read a chapter of this story.
2: And try to stay on topic. Which is easier said than done. Without further ado, here's this week's chapter of The Debt of Time.
1: Happy New Year, Fire Whiskers it's good to be back with you Uh, i do apologize for the extended delay that was unexpected but uh the holidays happened sickness happened work happened and maybe it's just me but i feel like after two full years of three almost full years of covid we are now transitioning into a world where things are kind of getting back to normal and the result is our bodies are going, wait, we're not in survival mode anymore. We don't have to shove every single mental and physical issue down into the depths of the brain so that you can focus on surviving a pandemic. Okay, good. Because, ah! and that's kind of what my brain did over the course of the last month. Um, and we've talked a lot about mental health recently, so I'm not going to, you know, Beat a dead horse, but uh, frankly, shit got pretty bad. Um, I felt really, really, really low, probably the lowest I've been since I, you know, got booted out of the army, close on the heels of losing my best guy friend and two of my friends dying all within like a six month period. So, uh, yeah, it's been really tough. Um, but with that, uh, As always, just want to remind you, uh, your brain is a liar, um, first and foremost. And also to say that I feel like a lot of us focus on how productive we're being. And I think we need to focus a little more on are we giving our bodies the rest they need? And when I say rest, I don't mean taking a shower. I don't mean going to the grocery store by yourself. I mean rest. I mean going to Starbucks because it's fun and sitting there and reading a book. I mean going on a walk in a park that you like, that you don't go to very often because it's kind of far, but you really enjoy going. And when you go, you have fun. Go there. Go on that walk. If it's video games, play video games. But take that time to protect yourself because Y'all, we fucking need it. You can't run on fumes forever and you can't fill anybody else's cup if yours is empty. So take a second, visit the water fountain, and fill your damn cup. Also remember, uh, this is the season of New Year's resolutions, which also means we are all getting hounded by advertisements for exercise, for diet pills, for anti-bloating pills that aren't actually diet pills, but they talk about how skinny you should be. And somehow, if you take this apple cider vinegar gummy, you will go from being wearing pants that are two sizes too small to having a six-pack, which is bullshit. If you could not tell, I was watching ads today and got very frustrated. So this year, let's change the narrative. Don't diet to lose weight because you think you will be prettier or more attractive or people will respect you more if you were thin. Don't work out because you think that nice, flat, muscly stomachs are aesthetically pleasing. Eat better because you feel better when you're eating better. And if you would feel better if you ate McDonald's chicken nuggets and a Frosty from Wendy's, go get them. If you... Feel better when you get a little movement in your system and you know that. Go get a little movement. Not because you want to be fit, not because you want to have muscles, not because you want to lose weight, not because you want smaller pant sizes, but because a body in motion stays in motion and you want your body to feel better. Practice kindness and focus on making yourself feel better, however that looks. Now I'm getting off my soapbox and hello cat
2: yo 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 yiggity yo
1: i was waiting for the yiggity (laughs) (laughs) all right so we are saying santa beth today so uh no adult supervision i apologize guys um but uh that being said we're gonna start off with a really fun tangent and it's called goofy is the only disney character who's ever had sex (laughs) that we know of
0: what about donald duck donald duck only has nephews Oh, those aren't his kids?
1: No, no. Huey, Dewey, uh, and Louie are nephews. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I just want that to sink, sink in because the boy could very well be celibate and has also, to our knowledge, never done the dirty. But has, in fact, known a woman biblically well enough to create a son. So just.
2: But are we talking
0: just like older Disney characters? Or are we talking newer as well? well? Okay, because, yeah, like, I'm I'm talking think... I'm
1: talking about the Mickey Mouse Disney okay. characters. I'm not okay. talking about all the friggin' movies because obviously okay. there's parents there, but like of the famous three.
0: Yeah, there are parents there, but they kill them all. Yeah, well... Disney well, it's is famous for killing everybody's parents.
1: Well, it's because Disney felt really guilty because when he made it big and bought his family a house, there was a carbon monoxide leak and his mother died.
0: Yeah, so, well, all I'm just saying is, like, I I didn't realize that until I got older, and, like, the good dinosaur is what triggered oh, that thought in my head oh, for God. me. And that was the... W- I, I'm sorry, guys. I, if you like it, good for you. But the good dinosaur is the worst effing movie ever <laughs> i'm sorry i don't like the good dinosaur i
1: didn't mind it it's not like i could not tell you what it's about other than the fact that the dinosaurs are the ones that talk and the little caveman is the pet uh yeah in the disney equation but um yeah um, i could not good, tell you what the story is goofy. about i couldn't good tell it. but yeah no so oh, yuck. <laughs> gosh. Uh-huh,
0: uh-huh, uh-huh. now you're making Gosh. me want to watch the freaking goofy movie now
1: really really that that by the way watch the goofy
0: I, movie. I, I, i'm still me ma- i'm still waiting for that man's album by the way really
1: mm? what man's album
0: you know the guy in the goofy movie that sings like really well there's like a ton of memes online that's like, I'm still waiting for this man's album to drop.
1: I think I've only seen the Goofy movie once, and I'm pretty sure it was in the last century. So, um, all I remember from it is
0: the leaning tower of Jesus. Oh, okay.
1: Uh, oh, and okay. one last tangent, since we're just gonna catch you with all of them right at the beginning. Um, I was really baffled by egg prices. So, like, prior to COVID and everything, when I went to the store to get a dozen eggs, if it was a sale day, 79 cents on the days when it was like $1.09, I was like, damn, do I really need eggs? That's kind of expensive. Eggs were $4.79 yesterday and in fact have been up to $4.99. That was cheap. And I was like, how the fuck is anyone like... Don't get me wrong, everything has gotten more expensive. I understand inflation is going on. Like there's supply chain issues, there's, you know, gas issues. Like, I I get, I get that things are more expensive. There's been issues with chicken feed and the price of that skyrocketing. But nothing else I can think of multiplied itself by five. So I Googled it. Um, So apparently uh, the chickens had their own version of COVID and an avian flu came through and targeted specifically egg laying hens. So the, the chickens raised for consumption were not as affected. So like, I'm wondering if it's like a breed thing, but apparently it mainly affected the chickens that lay eggs and turkeys, which also explains why turkeys were so expensive this Thanksgiving, but like 50 million chickens died. It was the deadliest outbreak of avian flu in American history. Why the fuck am I learning this? Because I got pissed off that eggs were expensive. Why was this not front page news?
0: <laughs> because they don't want you to know. <laughs> but anyway. they don't want people to know.
1: The guy in four B, he knows.
0: It's just like how the government doesn't want us to know that the aliens exist. Oh my god, Area 51
1: again. Anyway, the dead of time. So it has been almost a month since we last recorded. So um
0: I wrote it down. Oh you did? Okay. Cat what happened was Wait, what movie is from is that from? I wrote it down. Oh wait, no, I got it. Got it. It's not a movie. It's not a movie. Uh,
1: Are you going to explain?
0: It's from that uh, that Gilmore Girls episode where Sherry's having Christopher's baby, Gigi, and she's like, I wrote it down. This wasn't supposed to happen because she goes into labor early because she put it on her schedule because she was like, yeah, I'm supposed to get my cesarean on this day because that's what I'm doing, Gigi. And yeah, and she's like, I wrote it down. And she keeps saying over and over again, I wrote it down. So yeah, I wrote it down. Anyways, the random things that come to my mind.
1: You know what? Not mad about it. Um, Quick Bluey reference. Uh, My husband now says, dad enters the room or it's dad when he walks in. It's great. I I like TV shows that resonate. Um, Every time I think about how hard certain New 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 Year's resolutions are for me, all I hear in my head is Bluey going, let's. Do this. But anyway. So, Kat, what happened was...
0: Okay, so it's very short what I wrote down because I did this last night. So, anyways. Um, Everyone was at Grimmel Place because it was holiday. And uh, Maya basically did a really big tease for Sirius, even though she eventually came through. But she teased him significantly and for very, very long. And... Um, eventually she burned down his mom's picture, (laughs) which was great. And then she eventually did the nasty with him because she was teasing him for so long. So she finally... Gave into that and then at the very end apparently she called in Kingsley's debt which I kind of don't remember what that was about or why that is happening. And then I kind of think and I didn't write this down because I was too lazy to but I kind of remember something about Umbridge towards the end but I'm not really sure if I was just thinking of the one before that.
1: So you are right that Umbridge is referenced-ish, not by name. Ish. She's alluded to.
2: Okay.
0: Yeah, because I thought in the chapter before that at the very end you were like, where is she going? And I'm like, I don't know. And then I figured out that she was going to Umbridge or something to like torture her or something. That was was this
1: one. Um, Oh. So the episode last time ended with uh, Remus was having a panic attack because Teddy almost escaped. So they need baby-proof. And it ended up that Sirius and Remus were laying in the bed together like the uh, Sirius, Remus and Maya were all lying in bed together like they used to. But there was a spot where Jamie used to be. Yeah. And so when Harry got home, he laid in that spot and then Remus got Teddy and brought him to bed. And so she was like back in her happy place because she's got her, you know, three, technically three and a half boys laying with her in bed in her comfortable protective pack, you know pile and while they're laying in bed she notices the back of Harry's hand where it's still there's a scar that says I must not tell lies
0: oh yeah
1: and so that's when she sends the um note through the owl that says Kingsley I'm calling in your debt this episode is brought to you by Beating Kit Kat on Etsy Beating Kit Kat carries Shia approved debt of time jewelry currently She has the black family ring, including a diamond-studded option, as well as the Can You Swim Sickle Pendant, a Fox Constellation Pendant, a Whiskey and Honey Pendant, and Patronus Pendants. As a listener of Fire Whiskey and Honey, you can get these items $10 off using the code FWHPOD. If you use the code FWHPOD at checkout, you will get $10 off. We will have a link to the Beating Kit Kat Etsy store in our show notes, and you can also find a link in our Facebook group where Kat herself will be posting about the special. Which leads us to... Sweet Jesus, this is going to be a long chapter, guys. 145, The Gamut. January 16th, 1999. She sent the boys to visit Fred and George, knowing that the twins were keen on having the marauders advise them on current and future projects that that they had in the works. Insisting on staying home, Maya informed everyone that Kingsley was stopping by to answer a few questions she had in regards to her potential future with the ministry, something that she had voiced a curiosity about over the months since her return to 1998. Uh, Now that her grieving period was over and she felt somewhat readjusted to the decade, she was determined not to sit around the house and hope for projects to fall into her lap. When the minister for magic, stu- can you just imagine being like, Hey guys. Yeah. You go hang out with your friends. Um, the leader of the free world's going to be here in a little bit and we're just going to chat. Bye.
0: Yeah. I, <laughs> I-, I would nice. totally do something like that. Like if I freaking knew some president, I'd be like, yeah, sorry guys. I got to go hang out with like Obama or something. Like, I don't know.
1: Hanging out with the Nobel Peace Prize winner. Talk to you later. Bye! (laughs) When the Minister for Magic stepped through the fireplace with a nervous smile, Maya grinned at him, noting aloud that he very likely had every reason to be at least a little anxious. How did she do it, kings? She asked, after catching up with him for several minutes. She refilled his mug of tea, pushing a bottle of fire whiskey across the table to him, should he like a splash. Kingsley shook his head at the bottle, instead dumping lump after lump of sugar in the beverage before stirring it only once and then drinking. Maya tried not to cringe. Oh, okay, but you know what? The sugar at the bottom of the tea that has not dissolved when you get to that last sip? Amazing, but also I have a disgustingly sweet tooth. Kingsley, uh, right, she cringed. She claimed imperious. How else? Rubbish, Maya hissed. You know that's bullshit. He inclined his head. Of course I do, but unfortunately there's no proof that she wasn't. Dolores Umbridge claims she doesn't know who cursed her, so there's no way to trace anything. No wand to investigate. Besides that... She's a member of the Gamut, granted not a seat of the Sacred 28, but she was voted in. What's worse is that she still has friends there. Do you know the kinds of hoops you have to jump through to even begin an investigation against a member of the Gamut? Kingsley laughed bitterly, adding an extra lump of sugar to his tea. Lucius Malfoy had to be caught red-handed in the middle of the Department of Mysteries, overheard by three Aurors and several other witnesses shooting curses and threatening Harry's life before we could actually arrest the bastard. Never mind the hurdles we encountered actually getting him into Azkaban. She glared across the table. Funny. Sirius got thrown in just fine. Kingsley frowned, looking guilty. Yes, and that was because Crouch and Fudge combined the efforts of both their departments and skipped over every bloody lawful step. Maya felt bad. She knew it had not been his fault. Kingsley had only been a regular orer at the time. Even Moody, if he had felt like it, would not have been able to single-handedly fight back against what Crouch and Fudge had done when Sirius had been arrested including a trial. Kingsley nodded. Including a trial. It was corruption at its worst. Fudge and Umbridge are still on the Wisengamot Kings. They've also been on a very long list of mine that's getting shorter by the day. In fact, only two names remain. Theirs. You want to have them arrested. I understand. I want them buried alive. I want everything taken from them. Can you do it legally? he asked her. My platform as minister is to correct the problems my predecessors left me to eliminate the corruption. Since Fudge did everything during his time as minister with the Gamut's approval, there's nothing I can do about him. As for Umbridge, if she were a branded Death Eater, that would be different, but as it is, Dolores Umbridge doesn't have the dark mark. Did you check the bitch's soul?
0: <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> By the way, what is the Gamut? Is that the people in that one movie where they wear the funny hats?
1: It's Wizard Congress or Parliament, depending on what country you're from.
0: Oh, okay.
1: Elected officials, but also. So, in the British Parliament, and God, please forg- forgive me if I'm getting this wrong, there's the House of Lords and the House of Commons. The House of Lords, it's passed down generationally, like the Sacred 28. um I don't know if that's still the case, but I think it is. um So, like the Earl of Grantham, yes, Downton reference, but like that's. It stays, I believe, in the family. Um, And then the House of Commons is where you elect your member of parliament and they, you know, cover everybody else. So that's the way it used to work. I don't think
0: that's the way it still works today. British listeners help us out. Yeah,
1: please. One of you guys explained it before and I read it and was very excited and then promptly forgot. But um, yeah, so there's people who are elected in and there's people who are just in because they're part of the Sacred 28. Okay. Um, Kingsley grinned at her. You're much more entertaining than Hermione. Did you know that? She glared at him. I'm still the same witch, Kings. Insulting Hermione is insulting me. I am Hermione. I'm very well aware that when I was a child, I could be... an uptight swat. She growled under her breath. Yes, when I was younger—don't change the subject—Dolores Umbridge sent muggle-borns to Azkaban over the trumped-up charges of stealing magic. I was a witness to it myself. Harry and Ron saw it as well. Yes, Kingsley agreed with her. When the three of you broke into the Ministry of Magic, mugged three people, two of whom are members of the Wizengamot, impersonated them with polyjuice, and caused a riot in the building. Are we being officially charged? He let out a full belly laugh. (laughs) Merlin, no. The three of you are Order of Merlin, first class recipients. If I even attempted to arrest you, the public would start another war on your behalf. I'm Minister for Magic, not King of Wizarding Britain. He sighed and ran a hand over his head. You know I have limitations too, Maya. I know. You're still calling in the debt, aren't you? Absolutely, she said, and watched the man sigh in frustration. After a long bout of tense silence, she asked, You know what Voldemort's problem was?
0: He didn't have a nose.
1: (laughs) And yet he still couldn't keep it out of other people's business. True. The minister blinked at her and chuckled as they shared the thought. Just one problem? before he answered, A long-term plan for genocide? Maya shook her head. A short-term obsession with Harry. Kingsley raised a brow. Your point? Dolores Umbridge is a tiny thread in a large tapestry that needs to be unraveled and restitched from scratch, she said, matter-of-factly, reaching forward and taking a sip from her own cup of tea. You told me when the war ended that you would find a place for me in the ministry. He nodded. "'The offer still stands. "'I know what place I want.' "'He smiled at her, looking desperately curious to what she had in mind. "'And you need my life debt for?' "'A session with the wizengamot.' "'He frowned at her reply, clearly not understanding where she was going. "'I'm aware that a new chief warlock has not been elected, "'therefore the position falls to the minister.' "'All right.' As the Minister for Magic, I do have the ability to organize that, he agreed. You also have the ability to keep it in session for as long as needed. His eyes widened, finally looking as nervous as she knew he would be. And how long do you need it? Maya smiled innocently. As long as it takes.
0: Okay. By the way, where is Kingsley from?
1: No fucking clue. That's why his accent's all over the place. It's kind of yeah. British, kind of jamaican a little bit, maybe South African?
0: Yeah, because it kind of sounded like a combination of those three with a stuffy nose.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I keep bouncing around and then I'm like, fuck, he's too British. Fuck, he's too Caribbean. Fuck, he's too-
0: <laughs> Yeah. By the way, speaking of Jamaican, I watched that Miss Cleo documentary. That was fascinating. It Like, it had a sad ending, but man, that was fascinating. And by the way, she did not go to prison or jail. I thought she did. She did not. Huh. Yeah, it was very, very interesting. Like, she had a very interesting life.
1: Oh, yeah, she was freaking Miss Cleo. Uh, What streaming is that on?
0: HBO Max. Okay. It's called Call Me Now. <laughs> freaking Raven Simone is in it. It's amazing. Amazing.
1: It does crack me up, though. Like Our age difference with Hannah Beth isn't that far, but I feel like she said she didn't remember Miss Cleo, right?
0: I believe so.
1: I just, it cracks me up because, like, that's something I so vividly remember. Also, uh, something I remember from my childhood, please, uh, although you were an only child and probably had it. Do you remember when you had to pay for Disney Channel? It was a premium channel. So, probably because your parents just bought it for you. (laughs) But um, when we had cable in the early 90s, because I think it went into, it stopped being that way, I think, in like the mid 90s. But, like, once or twice a year, we would get, like, three or four days of Disney Channel, and that's, like, all I would watch. And I I think my mom actually let me watch more TV than normal when Disney Channel was available because I'd be like, yeah, Disney Channel! And then we would lose it again, and then I'd be looking at the TV guide waiting for the kids' channels to come up, and I'd be like, man, there's such good stuff on Disney Channel, and I can't watch it. There was a Little Mermaid TV show that I used to love, but anyway moving forward um the fuck was that Um, anyway the dead of time
0: oh by the way one more thing this is just for hannah beth okay do you know what the texas killing fields are because that documentary was nuts so hannah beth if you know what that is let me know because that thing was nuts bodies everywhere yeah yeah (laughs) <laughs> Claire's, like, <laughs> making faces. She has no words.
1: Claire's sitting far away from the mic, chewing M&Ms and trying not to bother the people who have misphonia. But also, I wasn't saying anything. My eyes just kept getting wider and wider as I was looking at the results. And that is definitely I something I looked up on DuckDuckGo and not Google. But... <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's insane. And that Killer Sally documentary is nuts, too. That's how I spent my Christmas break, y'all. I watched a lot of documentaries.
1: Okay, so for those of you who are not aware, um, trigger warning for those who uh, are sensitive to the murder of women and children.
0: Isn't that everybody?
1: (laughs) Yes, but if you have been... (laughs) I mean, I
0: watch these things because I like them. It doesn't mean it doesn't affect me, but... Oh,
1: yeah, but like... Uh we knew somebody in high school whose sister was murdered. So like I feel like, you know, people are We do. Anyway, um <clears throat> So, now that the people have skipped ahead, who need to skip ahead, uh the Killing Fields in Texas, um it's a 25-acre patch of land in League City, Texas, uh about twenty-six miles southeast of Houston. And since the 1970s, 33 bodies of murder victims have been found along the I-45 area, mainly bodies of girls or young women. Furthermore, many additional young girls have disappeared from this area, and their bodies are still missing. It's believed yep. that the murders are the work of multiple serial killers. Some of the victims were aged 12 to 25 years. Some shared some similar physical features, such as similar hairstyles. Um Despite the efforts by the League City, Texas Police, and FBI, very few of these murders have been solved, and those that have been solved were predicated on confessions given by prisoners or confessions given under duress from the police.
0: Yeah, and like one of the guys that like they talked about in the documentary, he actually is out of jail now, and he's living in one of those like places like the transition homes or whatever, and people are pissed.
1: Yikes. Yikes.
0: Because he got out because of some law mm. there, because at, at the time that these crimes were committed, there was some law about something and he had to be released because it was mandatory for them to do it. So it's not like they wanted to. They just had to because of the yeah. law. No. So no, sometimes, people are pissed.
1: Sometimes there's uh, laws.
2: Yeah. And he was like they interviewed this woman who he was her stepdad. And they took her back to the field and she had all these memories that rushed back to her of being there
0: because he took her there and gave her some excuse that he was doing something for a friend or whatever. And then her mom took her back to the house where they all lived and she was like, you see that hole in that wall? That's where he used to watch you. And I was like, what the The fuck? I know, it was the most, it's one of the most insane documentaries I have ever seen. Hey, Sally, wanna go get re traumatized? Let's go! Like, yeah, Jesus like, Christ. it was insane.
1: <laughs> God. Anyway, okay, well, moving on to lighter topics like the dead of time and Maya being an absolute savage. January 18th, 1999. The walls of the large courtroom were made of dark stone, and the torches that gave light to the room made it feel as though the government of Wizarding Britain was set back centuries, which, according to many of their practices and laws, they were. The members of the whizzing had long since abandoned the official dress code for more casual, though still proper, dress robes. Those who stuck to the old ways wore the official uniform and sat bunched together to show the animosity between the groups. Dressed in plum robes, with a silver embroidered W on the front, were Cornelius Fudge, Dolores Umbridge, and a scattering of pure-blood elitists, most of whom held the family seats of the sacred 28. William Burke sat between Democles Belby and Marcus Flint Sr., all behind Pinius Parkinson and Horace Slughorn. Maya knew that Slughorn very likely wore the official robes, because he thought the color plum brought out his eyes. Sitting among the families, but out of uniform, were Theodore Knott, Tiberius Ogden, Alora Zambini, and Cygnus Bolstrode. The opposite bank of seats was much more colourful, a fact that seemed to offend their tradition-bound opponents. Elphius Doge sat conversing with Amos Diggory and Adrian Abbott as though they were all old friends. Aubrey Fowley was catching up with Augusta Longbottom and Ernest Macmillan, Sr., While Bill Weasley, who had accepted the Weasley seat on behalf of Arthur, was shaking hands with Garrick Ollivander and helping the elderly wizard into his own family seat. Mmm, Ollivander. He was wonderful. And it's sad that I always remember his name as Ollivander. I know his name, which is escaping me at the moment, but if somebody said it, I'd be like, yeah, that's it, but no. He was wonderful. I'm sorry he's gone. He did live a wonderfully long life, though.
0: Well, we all associate famous people with their characters and hardly ever remember their real names sometimes. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it happens.
1: Also just realized I said Macmillan instead of Macmillan. But anyway. A group of small citizens were allowed in to view the open session, as was protocol. And that was how Maya, Harry, Sirius, and Remus found themselves facing the early uh, that early morning. When the large doors to the left opened and Kingsley walked in, Maya smiled at him. Following behind the Minister for Magic was Arthur, accompanied by a tall, blonde man who somewhat resembled Lucius Malfoy, but without the permanent sneer and looking much more relaxed as well. Percy Weasley brought up the rear. As the doors closed, locking the session, Kingsley took possession of the podium. "'I call this session of the Whizzing gamut on the 18th of January, 1999,' Presiding Minister for Magic and Interim Chief Warlock Kingsley Shacklebolt, Advisor to the Ministry Hyperion Greengrass. He said, gesturing to the tall blonde wizard, Undersecretary Arthur Weasley and Junior Assistant Percival Weasley present. First order of business is what was voted upon during our last session. Almost immediately, half of the Whizzing Gamut began muttering bitterly under their breath. Harry James Potter, please step forward. We've rehearsed this, Maya whispered to Harry. Do not divert from the script. I know the legislation better than you do. I spent my entire time working at the ministry, researching every ancient law that still applies. If we plan to hold them accountable to those laws, then they'll have to do the same with us. No matter what, control your temper. Harry acknowledged her words silently, and stepped to the centre of the room. Kingsley smiled down at him from the podium. "'The Wizengamot has petitioned and voted, and, in overwhelming favour, has decided to grant the House of Potter its ancient family seat on the Wizengamot, effective immediately.' Half of the Wizengamot applauded. The audience followed suit. Harry smiled politely. "'Thank you, Minister. As the head of the House of Potter, I accept.' And will you, Lord Potter, join us now? Kingsley asked, gesturing to the empty seat beside Bill Weasley. Harry cleared his throat. No, I am formally declining the offered position. Many began whispering and mumbling in shock. Hyperion Greengrass spoke up. You refuse to sit in the seat you've just accepted on behalf of your house? He asked, obviously curious, though not nearly as offended-looking as many of those who were sitting on his right. "'Peneus Parkinson was glaring at Harry. "'Fudge and Embridge both looked apoplectic. "'Yes,' Harry said simply, "'as I am not the only Potter. "'I feel it's my duty to my house "'to have my family name best represented in the wizard gamut. "'I'm an Auror, so I did quite well "'in defense against the dark arts at Hogwarts, "'but I was pants at History of Magic. "'I elect to pass my family seat on.' Fudge could apparently not stand to remain silent any longer. Either that, or Umbridge was elbowing him in the ribs, indicating that he should do something. Fuck. What was his voice? Alright guys, I don't remember Fudge's voice, so we're just going for it. What do you mean you're not the only porter? No, that's not right. Cut that one hand, Beth.
0: Yeah, that sounded more like Creature.
1: (laughs) I was thinking um, Alistair Moody, but um, pompous British, I think. What do you mean you're not the only porter? No, that's fuck. Okay, you know what? We're just going to pause real quick and I'm going to go. Fuck, what was that one? Oh, okay. Ah, if you have seen Miss Park, this is how Fudge kind of talked like this, like he was very... Okay, great. What do you mean you're not the only Potter? Maya smiled and stood to make her way to Harry's side. Many glared at her, but the only set of eyes she took immediate notice of were Umbridge's. She smiled sweetly at the toady old witch and watched in amusement as the woman bristled. "'The Wizengamot recognizes Hermione Granger,' Kingsley said. "'Potter, actually,' Maya corrected him. "'I've just come from the Wizengamot Department of Administration to have my name officially changed.' Umbridge stood, her face turning a shade of purple that matched her robes. "'This is an outrage!' She screamed, not even trying to use her generally honeyed, poisoned tone of voice. Do you mean to tell me that Harry Potter has married a Mudblood and intends to pass to her a noble family seat in the Wizarding Gamut? She held her hand against her heart, as though the very idea would cause her to faint. "'Lords and ladies, this is why I voted against bestowing such a seat of honour on the House of Potter. They have defiled their name in the past and continue to do so.' Many bobbed their heads in agreement. Others rolled their eyes dramatically. Every Weasley present, Percy included, stood at the mention of the slur in outrage. Dolores, you will hold your tongue and refrain from using such language. We will not have this conversation again, Kingsley ordered. Maya cleared her throat and smiled. I'm heartily Harry's wife, she insisted, watching with a chuckle as Harry recoiled from the very suggestion of such a thing. My name is Hermione Potter, but many of you might know me as Maya... Something was dropped in the back, and the bang of whatever it was echoed around the room. When the echo cleared, the room was left in utter silence until Democles Belby gasped, "Son of Salazar, Maya Potter." Adrian Abbott stared down at her, eyes wide. Maya. Laura Zabini focused her attention on her old school rival. That's her, all right. Adrian. Damocles, it's good to see you again. Maya smiled at the wizard and then turned her eyes on the witch. Zabini, Alora sneered. Potter. I demand an explanation, Umbridge cried. Gladly, Dolores, Kingsley said, taking charge of the room and silencing all the whispers in the crowd. Several months ago, Hermione Granger came upon a trap set by the Death Eater Antonin Dolohov. He had triggered a time-turner and placed it among Miss Granger's belongings. Hermione was sent back to 1971, where she was adopted by Charles and Doria Potter, thus known as Maya Potter. She recently returned from 1979 and informed me of the situation.
2: And you just
1: believe? Her? Umbridge scoffed loudly. Minister, this girl is a well-known manipulator. Madam Umbridge, Miss Potter went through an official interrogation by the minister himself, Percy said, the air of self-righteousness surrounding him as he spoke, offended on the ministry's behalf that they would not have taken such a claim seriously. Also, that was definitely me attempting to do the royal british accent and i think i butchered it and i don't know why percy's the only one in his family with it but whatever
0: yeah and i also love that umber just like well she's a manipulator well then what are you
1: (laughs) i know
2: what i am but what are you you're a piece of doo-doo
1: also my child has started parroting things So I was changing his diaper the other day, and I'm like, dang, buddy, that's a big poop. And my husband from the other room goes, big poop. And JD just looks up at me and goes, big poop. And Jimmy goes, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh. So I definitely can't cuss in front of the kid anymore. So, oops.
0: (laughs) Yeah, Kenny the Dark Wizard showed me this video on Christmas Eve, and it was this little girl. and she her mom or somebody was like is mommy a bitch and the kid goes yeah she a big bitch (laughs) and i was like oh my god
1: Uh, i see for me it's it's funnier when it's not instigated like one of my dad's favorite stories i can't remember if it was him or one of his friends but Whoever it was, they had their um, glasses tucked in their chest pocket of their uh, dress shirt. And they bent over to grab something out of, like, the medicine cabinet or something. And the glasses fell out of the pocket into the toilet. And their daughter was standing right there. She was, like, four. And she looks down and she goes, God damn it. And he goes, (laughs) that's what I was going (laughs) to say. It's just, like, the perfection of the timing. Or, like, um... Uh, God, one of my friends was driving with her kid and somebody cut her off and she goes, Hey, watch where you're going. And the kid in the back goes, yeah, douchebag. And she went, I mean, yeah, that, that is what I was going to say, but I stopped because you were in the car, but apparently it doesn't matter. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. So, um, right now the, my kids thing is just, well, you know, say the most ridiculous stuff like, um. He He's starting to, like, babble and, like, talk, but it's not actual words. And he'll be like, And Jimmy looked at him and he goes, You talking smack? And he just looks up and he goes, Yeah! (laughs) Kids are fucking hilarious. But anyway, the dead of time. Umbridge frowned at the declaration, turning her attention to Kingsley and forcing herself into a sickeningly sweet smile.
2: With all
1: due respect, Minister,
2: it's known that you're acquainted
1: with Miss Granger. Some might consider any interrogation by you biased. I would hate to see a man such as yourself belittled and bad-mouthed over what could
2: be considered
1: a scandal. From the audience, Maya could hear serious scoff loudly. All things considered, he could have done much worse. She had actually thought about leaving him at home, but he was necessary to her plans, and she did so enjoy showing him off in public. "'I'll allow for Veritaserum questioning if that would please the gamut, Maya said with a smile, returning her attention to Umbridge. "'Perhaps slip some in my tea, Dolores. If not, I'm open to legilimency. Madam Fowley, I'm told you're quite the accomplished legilimens.' she said to the witch, near Neville's grandmother, who preened under the compliment. "'And also a Gryffindor,' Umbridge argued. "'No, I think perhaps someone without House Affinities would do better. Lord Parkinson? Lord Bulstrode, Penius Parkinson broke out in a devious grin at the offer and sat tall. How such a sour-faced man was related to Laurel, Maya would never know. She smiled at him all the same, even as she could practically see the word mudblood running through his mind as he stared at her. "'I'd be delighted,' he said politely, then raised his wand and made eye contact and whispered, "'Legilimens!' It did not take him very long to find whatever he was looking for, and when he broke eye contact, frowning bitterly, Maya smiled. "'Apologies, Madam Umbridge.' The witch is speaking the truth. She is Maya Potter, daughter of Charles and Doria, who was tricked back in time by the Death Eater known as Antonin Dolohov. Umbridge pouted, but looked like she was trying very hard to remain collected. Still, she's a muggle-born and cannot accept a family seat on the wizened There are laws, there are rules that must be followed.
0: Muggle, please, bitch. Mm
1: Mm-hmm. I completely agree, Dolores, Maya said, a delightful shiver going up her spine when Umbridge grimaced at her use of her given name. However, as it stands, I was properly bonded in the adoption to my parents and, therefore, under the law of magic, am considered pureblood. I am able to accept the seat of my house. Umbridge screeched, preposterous. Maya frowned as though she pitied her and then spoke slowly. Are you "'Unfamiliar with pure-blood laws, Dolores? "'Do you not know how magical adoption works? "'It was my understanding that all pure-blood houses "'instructed their children in the old customs and traditions. "'Did your pure-blood parents not properly instruct you?' "'She asked, with a sly smile, "'noting immediately the way Umbridge flinched at the inflection "'Maya used on the word pure-blood in reference to her parents. "'I—' "'I still object to this insanity. She's a common mudblood.' "'Dolores, I won't say it again,' Kingsley shouted. Before the whizzing gamut descended into chaos once more, Maya cleared her throat. "'If the seat of the House Potter will be denied me, I shall simply take up another, Dolores.' The toad-faced witch hissed loudly enough to be heard by all the chamber before, saying, You have no respect, little girl. You know nothing of Gamut proceedings and protocols, and you should address your betters by their proper titles, Miss Granger. Maya's brow lifted, and she smiled and bowed her head. As you wish, Madam Umbridge, but if you insist upon proper titles, then you should recognize me as Lady Black. The collective whizzing gamut, save for the members of the order, gasped loudly. I beg your pardon? Umbridge choked on the words. My mother was Doria Black before she was a potter, and, as well, Berga Black, the last Lady Black, passed on a number of years ago, I claim her title, it is mine, by right, either by my mother's blood, as I am yet unmarried, or through marriage later this summer, she said, and flashed to them all her large opal engagement ring. "'Marriage?' Fudge gaped at the ring, and his eyes widened dramatically when Sirius rose from his seat to stand at Maya's side. "'Yes, Miss Potter, or Lady Black,' Sirius said, "'is my fiancée, and the House of Black offers her its rightful wizengamot seat.' Members of the Assembly all began shouting. Maya shook her head at Sirius's obvious delight. He was always happiest when causing trouble. "'You cannot allow this, minister!' Umbridge shouted. "'I am merely following protocol, Dolores,' Kingsley insisted calmly. "'The heads of two houses have passed on their familial seats to Miss Hermione Potter. Nothing can be done about it.' "'That's not true,' "'Fudge stood. According to procedure, the seat must be offered to any living descendants of a house that comes after their head of house. Nothing can be done about the House of Potter, apparently. But the House of Black, it's too important to hand over to a... uh...' He struggled, as he clearly avoided calling Maya a mudblood, but corrected himself in time. "'A nineteen-year-old girl!' "'Very well,' Sirius accepted. The next Black heir would be Harry Potter.' Harry grinned, looking really pleased with himself. "'I decline and offer the seat to Hermione Potter.' Yelling continued. The noise was eventually silenced when the doors to the right opened, and Draco, dressed to the nines in proper robes and looking the very near image of his late father, stepped through. "'Excuse me,' Kingsley said. "'This is a whizzing gamut session already in progress. You can't just burst in without—' "'Apologies, minister.' "'Draco said with a polite bow of the head as he moved to stand in the centre of the room, "'purposely distancing himself from Harry, Maya, and Sirius. "'Esteemed lords and ladies.' "'He made eye contact with Umbridge first, smiling at her, "'and looking ever the part of the perfect pure-blood prince. "'I've only just now received word that a session had been opened, "'and thought it appropriate time to officially accept the seat of the House of Malfoy.' "'Thank goodness!' Umbridge breathed a sigh of relief. "'Someone with a proper head on their shoulders!' Kingsley nodded. "'The whizzing gamut recognises the claim that Draco Malfoy... "'Lord,' Draco said, correcting the minister for magic with an arrogance that made half the whizzing gamut chuckle under their breath. Maya rolled her eyes at the theatrics. Kingsley cleared his throat, trying not to seem annoyed. "'Apologies, Lord.' "'Draco Malfoy has made a motion for his familial house seat. "'All in favor? "'All hands were raised, save for the Weasleys and Augusta Longbottom, "'but even then their eyes were focused on Maya, who smiled at them. "'Welcome to the Weasling Gamut, Lord Malfoy. "'Perhaps you would have a say in our current conversation.' "'And what is that?' Draco asked. "'Lord Malfoy is also a descendant and heir to the House of Black.' Fudge spoke up. If Sirius Black and Harry Potter each deny their ancestral seat, it is then offered to Lord Malfoy. Draco appeared surprised. "'You want me to take up the seat of House Black as well?' he asked, and grinned as though the thought were greatly appealing. "'Very much so,' Umbridge smiled gratefully, as though Draco Malfoy, not Harry Potter, was the saviour of the wizarding world. "'Interesting.' "'Draco said, with a devious grin before he cleared his throat, "'stopped smiling, and stood tall, "'his posture reflecting his formal upbringing. "'I decline, and offer the seat to Hermione Porter.' "'Those who sat opposed to Maya's claim "'sat looking positively shocked at Draco's statement. "'Taking advantage of the lack of yelling,' Draco continued. "'And before anyone else objects, "'I have letters from both myself, Narcissa Malfoy, nay Black, "'and Andromeda Tonks, nay Black, "'declining the family seat as well.' Maya smiled at Draco as he bowed his head toward her. For the record, if Madame Umbridge and Mr. Fudge continue to deny me the black family seat, I believe next in line would be the Weasleys, would they not, followed by the Longbottoms? Fudge never looked so more defeated, save for the day he had to hand the reins of the ministry over to Rufus Scrimgeour. Umbridge looked like she was about to have a stroke. Hermione Porter, Lady Black. "'Kingsley said, addressing her formally with a smile, "'has made a request for her familial seats, "'denied by the heads of each house "'and those who might be considered in line ahead of her. "'All in favour. "'Maya knew that many would oppose her claim "'and was not surprised to see Umbridge and Fudge "'sitting with their hands firmly in their laps. "'Likewise, Peneus Parkinson, Marcus Flint Sr., "'and William Burke sat still.' Shockingly, she noted that Theodore Nott, Cygnus Bulstrode, and Alora Zabini raised their hands in favor, along with the rest of the Wiesinghamet. Kingsley grinned. Welcome to the gamut, Lady Black. Maya smiled and walked forward as Sirius and Harry each stepped back and retook their seats in the audience. Draco held out his arm to her, and she politely took it. Maya, cousin. She grinned at him, as he led her up the stairs to join the gathered assembly. Arthur, Pursley, and Bill greeted her with a kiss on the cheek, also shaking Draco's hands in congratulations. She then said hello to all the members who voted for her, Lady Longbottom first and foremost. Before Draco led her to the opposite side of the seating, where she was wrapped in a gentle hug by an old friend, Damocles chuckled, "Maya, you're as beautiful as you ever were." Damocles, I can't tell you how. Good it is to see you. I read your recent article in Potions Monthly, and I have about a thousand questions for you. I imagine you would. Maya? A tall, lanky wizard stood to greet her. Do you prefer Miss Potter or Lady Black? Adrian, you may call me Maya, as you always did. She insisted, shaking his hand in greeting. Keep your eyes up here, though. She pointed to her face when she caught her former classmate looking over her twenty-years-too-young body. Sorry, he said, flushing red. Alora stood, staring Maya in the face. Potter. Zabini. Maya smiled politely at her. Didn't think I'd have your vote. You were a self-righteous little cunt in school, but I'm not stupid enough to deny how smart you are. It'll be an enjoyable experience not to be the only witch on the wizen gamut willing to stand up to the ridiculous patriarchy. Lady Longbottom aside, of course. Does Madame Umbridge not speak up for her fellow witches? Maya asked sweetly. Alora rolled her eyes. If it pleases her to do so. Did you know? I hear she's a half-blood. Maya leaned in, and whispered, echoing gossip that Laurel had given her twenty years ago. Alora's eyes widened, and then narrowed in Umbridge's direction. Maya knew from the occasional run-in with Alora's son Blaze in school that the Zabini family did not care much about blood status so long as you were Slytherin and or good looking and wealthy. By the look on Alora's face, Maya deduced that Slytherins also greatly disliked being deceived. Oh, and Zabini? Hmm. We'll get along famously as long as you keep your eyes off my fiance. Allura grinned and then muttered, I've learned to swim. Maya chuckled in amusement. I'll keep that in mind. You know why that's funny, right?
2: Is that the one she put in the list?
1: Yeah. (laughs) Eh, Classic Maya. See you. May introduce my cousin, Draco said, as he led Maya toward a tall, dark haired wizard. Hermione Potter. The man recog uh <coughs> oof, sorry. <clears throat> the man Maya recognized as Theodore Knott stood and took her hand, bending his head slightly to brush his lips over her knuckles before smiling at her. I assume this will all come. From... <laughs> I assume this will all come with a proper, lengthy explanation, he said, his crystal blue eyes questioning Draco, who merely gave a quick nod in reply. I feel like some bits and pieces were left out to your delectable drift through time. Speaking of delectable, your hair's tamer than I remember from school, but I can't imagine it still matches the witch. Maya smirked, amusedly wondering if it was her change in blood status that had not acting so well behaved toward her, or whether or not Draco's influence was that great amongst Slytherins. Flirting with me, Theo? That's dangerous. She and Not both looked at Sirius, who was eyeing the exchange with amusement. Because a black? Not asked. Any proper son of a noble house should be prepared for decent competition. You are dangerous, Theo, she said with a laugh, shaking her head incredulously. "'Perhaps, in another world, you would be considered severe competition. "'As it stands, I am delightfully taken.' "'She looked back at Sirius, who beamed up at her proudly, "'obviously having overheard the conversation, the eavesdropping canine. "'Draco led her towards the centre of the seating nearest her actual seat, "'which had the name Black engraved on it in silver. "'They stood before Hyperion Greengrass, "'who took her hand politely and kissed her knuckles. "'Lady Black. Lord Greengrass?' Draco addressed his future father in law with a respectful bow of his head. Sir, I'm to understand that you're responsible for the arranged marriage between my youngest daughter and this wizard before me. Hyperion gestured to Draco as a form of acknowledgement. I'm in your debt for such a boon to my house. Draco stood a little taller at his words, accepting the obvious compliment, but saying nothing. It was my pleasure, Maya said kindly. You have, however, also made introductions between my eldest daughter and a certain young wizard of a different kind. She feigned innocence, letting a surprised smile cross her features. Oh, I'd almost forgotten that Daphne and Ronald have become friends. Yes, we had the boy over for dinner over the holidays. Has he always eaten like that? Unfortunately, Maya said with a smirk, "'Glad that it was Ron's manners, "'not his family that Hyperion objected to. "'I rarely had time to instruct him properly, "'what with OWLs and destroying a dark lord. (laughs) "'Something like that,' she said with a quiet chuckle. "'I'm sure Daphne will be quite the positive influence on him. "'My wife has also been taken with you, "'and since your return. "'She's been in, well, "'she's been much more pleasant than usual.' Maya mirrored his sudden grin. Is Laurel ever anything but pleasant? He scoffed incredulously. If she weren't, I'd be hard-pressed to inform her best friend lest I end up sleeping on the sofa. Your home doesn't have spare rooms? Not when Laurel's in a mood it doesn't, he replied cheekily. Can you imagine having, like, fifteen spare bedrooms and still forcing your husband to sleep on the couch just because? Ah, that is the love. I
0: don't even want to imagine having 15 spare bedrooms cuz I am not going to clean them.
1: Honey, if you can afford 15 spare bedrooms, you can afford cleaners. Yeah. That's that's always. It was one of those things like I would look at houses like that. I'm like, who's cleaning? If you can afford it, you can afford the people to clean it.
0: Yeah. Or it's like those high ceilings. Who's changing those light bulbs?
1: <sighs> yeah. You you hire people to do that shit. <laughs>
0: Yeah, but I even do that like when I watch movies and stuff. I'm like, who's going to clean that up?
1: <laughs> That's my favorite part about being an adult. Anywho, um, Kingsley cleared his throat, requesting everyone to take their seats. He wore a smile on his face, and Maya wondered if he truly believed that this was the end of her plans. Draco escorted Maya to her chair before taking his place right behind her in the seat marked Malfoy. All right. "'Now that the family seat situation has been settled,' Kingsley said with a relaxed sigh, "'is there any further business?' "'Maya stood, gently clasping her hands in front of her. "'Yes, Minister, I have several things I'd like to take care of, actually.' "'Kingsley did not even pretend to be surprised by this. "'We recognize Hermione Potter and offer her the floor.' "'I won't need the whole floor, Minister.' She smiled as she walked down to turn and face the Wizengamut. "'Not unless things get out of hand,' she added, her focus on Dolores. "'Lords, ladies, and fellow members of the Wizengamut, I would like to take my first action as a member of this esteemed assembly,' she announced, with a deceptively sweet smile, one that she knew made her look so much like Doria Potter that she might might as well have worn green.' By accusing Madame Dolores Umbridge of fraud, legislation, forgery, and the use of an unforgivable on a high-ranking ministry official. Umbridge turned red with fury, and the Wizengamut fell silent in shock. I formally request that she be immediately dismissed from the Wizengamut. And scene. Like drop. Yeah, that's actually what I should have done. I don't know why I did a but like yeah no mic drop Whoosh! like get it bitch Ugh. cat what happens next is one of the greatest chapters of this entire series everyone everyone loves what happens next although this one is quite good as well just i i love the harry i'm giving my seat to hermione well, what about the next person? Serious, I'm giving my seat to Hermione. And then Draco walks in and they're like, oh, he's going to be our side. And he's like, all right, yeah, I'll take it and give it to Hermione. And they're like, fuck. (laughs) It it makes me so happy. (sighs) Anyway. Well, with that lengthy chapter, finally behind us, it is time to thank our patrons. We'd like to thank the newest member of our dog, wolf, and stag family, Sarah! Our January foxes are Muggle Trucker, Claire Soothes My ADHD Goblin Brain, Anthony, Tori, Stacy, Widower of a Slytherclaw, Leanne, Sandra, Camille, Patrick, Shauna, Martina, Kayla, Shona, Nicole, Claire, Jordan, Kenny, Crystal, Sarah, Ryland, Carissa, Rachel, Kaylin, Carly, Tiffany, April, Karina, Audrey, another one for the baby jar, Diana, Tessa, Kara, Melissa, Cassie, Cauldron Mist, Kara, Ryder, Crystal, Sylvia, Samantha, Brittany, Kendra, Dan, Misha, Becky, Juliana, Jessica, Jillian, Miriam, Juliana, Shannon, Sarah, Frau Holly, Matthew, Jasmine, and Cheryl. Thank you so much to all of our patrons who continue to support us And have supported us through the last three plus years. You guys are amazing. You're the reason the podcast still exists. You're the reason we're able to afford an actual editor and good mics. And, you know, a lot of other stuff. You guys are the bomb diggity and we love ya. So, with that, we will see you next.
2: Fire Whiskey Friday.
1: (laughs) Also, don't forget that Mercury is in Gatorade. Gird your loins.
2: Thank you for listening to another episode of Fire, Whiskey, and Honey.
1: A special thank you to Shia Lani for allowing us to read your story.
2: And thank you to Blue Ivy Creations for creating our logo and Hannah Beth for editing our episodes.
1: You can find us on Instagram at FWHpod.
2: And on Twitter at FWHpodcast.
1: And on our website, FWHpod.com.
2: If you enjoy this podcast and would like to support and get extra content, please support us on Patreon and review us on Apple Podcasts.
1: Thank you to those who support us already. We wouldn't be here without you.
2: See you next Fire Whiskey Friday.